was preaching it to Eden about the resurrection power of God. But, you know, um, I've been meditating on that, and it just seemed right to the Holy Spirit, right to me, that tonight we are going to talk about the resurrection power of God. We're going to talk about life for death-filled situations. If I had to title it, I'd title that. Life for death-filled situations. Now, has anyone ever had any dead areas in your life? I think we could all raise our hand. Anybody ever experienced some dead finances? How about a dead relationship? How about a dead dream? You had something in your heart and it didn't come to pass. Have you ever experienced some dead peace and all of a sudden you didn't have your peace anymore? It just kind of flew away. It died. How about some dead joy, dead health? Perhaps you were attacked with some sort of, of disease that was an ongoing thing in your physical body trying to steal you of your health. Well, that's what it means to have dead situations rise up in our lives. But the good news is this. You want to hear some good news? Our God is the God of life. God is life. And God is the God of resurrection power. And there is power to raise any dead situation that may show up in our lives. There's resurrection power. Hallelujah. I just looked up the word resurrection. Let me give you just a simple definition of this. An act of returning or bringing From death to life. Isn't that what Jesus did? He resurrected. He was dead for three days and then he rose. He was resurrected. That's why we call it Resurrection Sunday when we celebrate Easter. And you know, uh, what does a doctor do if a person is about to die or sometimes they may have even actually died? They resuscitate them. And resuscitate literally means to return, return to consciousness or to life. To revive. If the medical profession can restore, revive, bring back to life, physical life, how much more do you think that our God can bring things back to life spiritually? He's the God of life. He's the God that resurrects dead situations. Let me just say this tonight. There is nothing that's impossible with our God. There's no pit too deep. There's no hole too dark. There's nothing that's too far gone that the love of God cannot reach, that the life of God cannot be breathed into. Let's start tonight by looking um, at a verse of scripture in Psalms 138. Be reading most of these out of the New King James tonight. Verse 7 of Psalms 138. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Now, this isn't a down message, but have you ever been in the midst of trouble? I think we could all say amen. But this is the good news. You will revive me. Hallelujah. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. Have you ever been in the midst of trouble? Have you ever gotten some bad news? Have you ever gotten a phone call in the middle of the night that took your breath away? You just, 
gas for a minute. I remember many years ago that Pastor Mark and I were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were there for a meeting at, at Ramah. And our oldest son was 16 years old, John. And we had a friend that was staying at the house with them. Of course, Oklahoma is two hours later than it is here in California. And in the middle of the night, we get a phone call and we're awakened. And the first thing that was on the other end of the phone was John has been in a car accident. Well, you know, first you're... Bad news can sometimes tell it says there. If you're in the midst of the trouble, it can, it can take your breath away. But then, you know, praise God, my car was totaled, not praise God for that, but praise God that our son was okay. But that's what happens sometimes when you're in the midst of trouble. It's like, (gasps) life is sucked out of you. But he said, I will revive you. I'll give you back life. I'll give you breath. I'll breathe into dead situations. His plans and his purposes will be established In our lives, He will revive us. Isn't that good news? Then He goes on to say here in verse 8, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord. How long does it endure? Till tomorrow? His mercy endures until you do something bad again? His mercy endures forever. I think we ought to say praise the Lord. That is mercy endureth forever. Let's say it all together. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. Again, praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. One more time. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. And because His mercy endures forever, He will perfect that which concerns us. Perfect. What in the world does that mean? It means He will finish it. He will accomplish it. He will perform it. He will fulfill it. I looked up a commentary on this passage of Scripture and it says this, that this passage is literally saying... God begins to work out His purposes in the lives of His servants. And He continues His work until it is absolutely and completely done. Hallelujah! Then it put a little reference over to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Pastor read this this morning. He, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you, what's he going to do about it? He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is perfecting his will in our lives. The pastor read another passage this morning that, oh, I loved it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Maybe you weren't here. I'll just tell you. Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 1. 13, was it 21? I'm sorry. Hebrews 13, 21. Yes. I was here, and I did love that passage. The first part of this, just listen to this, because we're talking about he's able to revive. He's able to bring about those dreams, those visions on the inside of you. And this is what he'll do. He'll strengthen. He'll complete. He'll perfect and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will. We'll just read that part. Amen. Can I get an amen? 
And I like that both of these verses, they, don't, they do not say, He will complete a good work in you unless you do something bad. Unless there's an obstacle. Unless there's a hindrance. Unless the devil tries to stop you. Unless your mother-in-law says you're a loser. And I'm not picking on mother-in-laws. I is one. But you know the old thing about mother-in-laws. Oh, you'll never amount to this. Or you married the wrong person. All that stuff. It doesn't matter what somebody says. This doesn't say he's going to complete a good work in you unless somebody doesn't believe it. Unless somebody says you can't do it. No, he doesn't have any conditions. He will establish his will, his plan, his purpose in our lives. He that hath begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If we let him work in us, if we let him live big in us, if we believe his word. Amen. You have to let, sometimes discouragement will attack us and say it's never, ever going to come to pass. But God's word is stronger. He that is at work in us is more powerful. Amen? If you've been tempted to be discouraged about a dream, about something that hasn't come to pass. Listen to this. Wrote this down. The Spirit of God said this to me today. If discouragement has tried to take hold, it's time to rise up and be bold. Bold to speak life. Bold to declare the word. Bold to prophesy how it's going to go. It's time to be bold. To declare what the Word of God has said. God, of course, has done His part. He has given us His Word. He's promised that He will perform His Word on our behalf. That He is completing that good work on the inside of us. What's our part? Our part is to have faith in His Word. To trust in Him. To develop our faith. To speak and to prophesy. Proclaim His will. The one simple definition, of course, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. But when it comes to the life of the believer, prophecy also means to proclaim, to preach. You need to preach to yourself sometimes. You're the person that needs to hear it the most. Look yourself in the eye. Look yourself in the mirror and say, all right, bud, this is how it's going to be. We are a winner. We are not a loser. We are an overcomer. We are the head and not the tail. What God has promised, he will do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Prophesy to yourself. Declare how it's going to be in your life. Prophesy how your day's going to be. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. No more down days. No more sad days. No more gloom-filled days. No more bummer days. This is the day that the Lord have made. Amen. Speak life. It's a choice. Bible talks about death and life are where they're in the power of the tongue. Then in another place, he says, I have set before you death 
and life. And then he gives us a clue. Which one are you going to choose? Choose life. Life is better. And life isn't just choosing to live. Choosing life is choosing to say the right thing. Live the right way. Do the right thing. Choose life. Amen? Now, there's an illustration in the Bible that I love this illustration about speaking life to things that look like they are a goner, that looks like there's no hope. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. And for the remainder of our time, we're going to go through this passage verse by verse. And we're going to see some things that apply to us. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we'll begin with verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Verse 2. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Find it interesting that the dead bones were in the valley. We have all had mountaintop experiences in God. You know what I'm talking about? Woo, the presence of the Lord is so awesome. You sense Him in the morning. You sense Him in the noontime. You sense Him at the night. You got a song in your heart. He's speaking to you. You're speaking to Him. Your fellowship is so sweet. You've got this vision on the inside of you and you are expecting, you are anticipating it to happen. That's a mountaintop experience in God and those are awesome but I find it interesting in this passage that it says the dead dry bones were in the valley vision doesn't die on a mountaintop experience usually vision dies when you're kind of in that law when you're down a little bit and you're down in this valley in this valley experience you know pastor did an awesome teaching on the 23rd Psalm, and one of those verses, verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death was found in the valley. Also says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You don't need to raise your hand and identify yourself because I know we've all been there. Have you ever been in that valley experience and it felt like, whoa, you know, almost saying, God, where are you? Well, we know where he is. He lives on the inside of us. But you could be at a time where his presence isn't felt as real and where you have to take it by faith. That's by the by the Bible says we have to walk by faith. We can't live on the valley experience, but we even in those times where I mean on the mountaintop experience, if we are in a valley, we can still expect God to show us how to get out and speak life to it. Amen. So the prophet said here, he didn't just say that the bones were dead. He saw very dry bones. I talk about it a lot, but I did grow up on a farm. And on a farm, you experience a little bit more things than you do in a city, different things. And so we'd be out walking around, and sometimes we would find a dead possum. It's gross. 
But you know, if he had just died, he's got his little skin still on him. His tail is attached, the whole thing. But we could walk a little bit further and then you see dry bones of a possum. So you can tell one just died and one's been dead a really long time. If all that is left is bones, that's really dead. Really, really dead. Well, does it matter whether the possum just died or he's been, the other one's been dead a really long time? Guess what? They're both still dead. Time doesn't matter to that particular possum. They're just as dead. Whether it was 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, they're still just as dead. And sometimes we get this idea with God that time matters. Okay, God, it's been a long time. This vision has been dead a long time. This relationship died a long time ago. Does that matter to God? This finances, our finances have been dead for a long time. Does that matter to God? Think about at the tomb of Lazarus when Jesus appeared there and he told them, they said, how long has he been dead? And they said, three days. Did Jesus go, oops, that's a day too long. You know, if, I, if it had only been one day or two days, maybe I could have raised him from the dead, but three days, ooh, no. No, it didn't matter. He could have been dead three weeks. It didn't matter because the life giver was there. And it doesn't matter how long that situation feels like. It's been full of death. Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus took the sting out of death. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Death is not a problem for him. He's already defeated it. He's already conquered it. Doesn't matter how long that sickness has tried to attach itself to your body. Doesn't matter how long you've been out of work. Doesn't matter how long your kids may have been rebelling. Doesn't matter how long. They may have been addicted to drugs or doing all sorts of crazy things. Time does not matter to God. Hallelujah. Because faith is now. Lay hold of it now in the realm of the Spirit. And life will come in that situation now when we release our faith. Jesus can take something and do something with dead, dry bones. If you ever want to hear somebody preach on dry bones, listen to T.D. Jakes. He has a message called the Bone Collector. And what Jesus does with things that look like they're a heap of bones, that look like there's no hope, Jesus takes those situations and he breathes life back into them. He brings hope. Back in to hopeless situations. He can make something beautiful out of a mess. He can take your mess and make it a message. Hallelujah. He can take that test and give you a living testimony. Glory to God. The life of God conquers death-filled situations. Now, when the prophet, when the, God, when the angel of the Lord came to him and he said, 
You're, look at those valley of dead bones. He asked him something in verse 3 of Ezekiel 37. We'll just track this through. He said, And he answered me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. God asked him this question, the same question that he's asking us tonight. Can these dead bones live? Whatever you have going on in your life, can this dead situation live? And I like his response. He didn't say, uh, no way, dude. Do you see how dead they really are? They're dry. They're dusty. He did say, really, in essence, it's not looking good for the bones today. But you know, God, you know. Oh, Lord God, you know. You're the bone collector. You tell me what's going to happen. You tell me how these dead, dry bones what they're going to turn into. And then he continues here in verse 4. Again, he said to me, so what we're talking about in the beginning, to prophesy, to proclaim, to preach, to declare how it's going to be. Again, he said to me, prophesy to to these bones and say, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, dry finances, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, rebellious children, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, marriage that's in trouble, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, lost loved one, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones. He was telling him what to say, and he's telling us what to say. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Everybody say, you shall live. Life. In the name of Jesus. You shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now notice the Lord's response. It wasn't, I'm going to take care of everything. I'll do it all. He said, you got to do something. you got to declare. you got to speak what I'm telling you to speak. He told him what to proclaim. He didn't tell him to talk about how he felt about the dry bones. He said, you prophesy life to this situation. You speak my word over it. And that's what brings change. Amen. He has told us what to say. Did you know that? He's told us how to pray. He's told us to speak His Word, to pray His promises. We are the ones that determine uh, what's going on in our life. I like something that Mark Brzee said. He said, our words operate as a thermostat. They set the limits and they establish the boundaries in our lives. Some of you like it hot. You might have your thermostat set to 80. God bless you. I couldn't survive that. Pastor and I go back and forth now. 
The older I get, and we won't go into it, but the older I get, the colder I like it. Some of you ladies my age can relate, amen? And anyway, so we're moving the thermostat up and down quite a bit in our house. But our words establish what the temperature, the spiritual temperature is going to be in our lives. We can either set it high up for life. I'm going to speak life-filled words. Life-filled words dominate the law of sin and death. I'm going to speak health instead of disease. I'm going to speak prosperity instead of lack. I'm going to declare and speak what I want, what I desire, not what might be looking me right in the face right now. Life in our words, spirit-led words, the life of God coming out of our mouth sets and establishes the spiritual temperature in our life. So it was his God had his part in this situation, but Ezekiel had his part. He had to proclaim, he had to speak the word of God. He had to prophesy what God told him to speak. And you want to see what the result is? We're just tracking this here in verse 7. So I prophesied, verse 7, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Woo! There's a noise in the realm of the Spirit when we declare the Word of God. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Hallelujah! When something that was once dead starts to come to life, There's a noise. There's a shaking. There's a sound in the realm of the spirit. When those things begin to rattle, when those things begin to move, when those things begin to align, there's an alignment that happens. There are things that God sets in motion when we give him our faith and we give him the word out of our mouth to work with. Things start lining up. Things start moving into place. Divine appointments start being made. People start, connections start happening happening. There's a rattling. There's a sound in the realm of the spirit when life starts feeling situations that formerly were dead. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. When we begin to declare over people that are bound by sickness, declare over those that are bound by addiction, captives that are in prison cells spiritually. When we begin to declare the word of God, the prison doors are open. There's a sound of the doors being opened, the captives being set free. It, you know, God wants us to have life in our, in our situation. God God wants us to enjoy his best in our situation. But you know what? It isn't just about us. We need to get beyond just speaking over our own life and begin to speak life to people driving by out there. Speak life to those that you see on the job that don't know the giver of life. When we declare the word of God, the anointing destroys the yoke. 
There are people that are bound by spiritual darkness. They are held captive by chains of oppression. And when we speak the word, when we pray over them, those chains begin to fall off. Those spiritual eyes begin to be opened. God, help us to be carriers of that life to other people. Amen? There's a noise. The Bible talks about in this day, the glory of the latter house will be greater than of the former. And there shall be a noise. There shall be a sound of nations being shaken. Darkness falling awful off of whole groups of people. Darkness has to flee because the light of the glorious gospel is greater. Death and division in our nation have to give way, will be swallowed up by the life and the light and the love of the gospel. That's the sound I'm hearing. I'm hearing a sound in the realm of the Spirit. Things are moving. Things are shaking. Things are changing in our nation. Amen? Revival. It's happening in our land. That's what I'm declaring. The glory of the Lord is covering this nation like the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. So Ezekiel, he did what he was told to do. And these bones, they begin to come together. In verse 8, indeed, as I looked after I spoke what he told me to speak, I looked, the sinews and the flesh, they came Upon them, the skin covered them, but there was still no breath in them. It's great that the bones came together. There was muscle, muscle, there was flesh, the skin. They were looking pretty good, but that isn't all there is to restoration. Don't stop short. Looked good. This body looked good. But it was still dead. Somebody can look really good in a casket, and I don't mean to be graphic, but they're still dead. I remember Pastor was talking about when we first got married, and I thought I was thinking about this, about they look good, but they're dead. There was this older family in our community that my mom had just always been really sweet to. They never had children, and we, they were always part of our family gatherings and everything, and and anyway, we called him aunt and uncle, and, and uh, he had passed away right after Pastor and I got married, and he'd never met him, so I wanted to be nice. We went over to her house, and this first time he'd ever met my aunt, my adopted aunt, and right away, she takes out pictures of her husband in the casket. <laughs> A little weird. And she's showing them to us, and she's showing them to Mark. He never met the man. He's flipping through this little album and these pictures of this my adopted uncle in a casket. What do you say? Endicott. Dick, Dick Endicott. She called him by his last name. Well, how do you think Endicott looks? Well, he never met him. Well, what are you going to say? Uh, peaceful? Uh, looking good? How about dead? You know? <laughs> so it's not enough. It is really not enough just to look good and still be dead. That will not, that's not what we're talking about. But that's what had happened here. He said, I looked, 
There's flesh upon them. Skin covered them. They looked good. But they're dead. And too often, we believe God for something. Okay, I'm believing you for this. I'm believing you for that. And we get a little blade. And we're saying, Woo! It's happening. It's happening. And we start doing a dance. We start rejoicing, which is good. But don't stop short. Get it all. Take everything that you're believing for. Don't quit. Don't relinquish your stand. Go for the whole thing. So he said, they're looking good. And then he said, well, you need to keep prophesying in verse 9. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. What's going to happen? That they may live. We need some life in here. Y'all hot? Maybe we need a little air circulating in here. Don't get sleepy on me. Okay. Take a deep breath in. Breathe in of the life of God. Oh, breathe. Oh, breath. And breathe on these that are slain. And then verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood upon their feet. What kind of an army? An exceeding great army. Remember when God created Adam and he said he looked good, but it wasn't until he breathed into his nostrils that man became a living soul. God wants to breathe life into many areas of our lives tonight. Let him breathe. Let him breathe. Let the breath of God breathe in your life today. I know that some of you have faced some difficult situations. I know that life can be hard. But God doesn't want us to go through life beat up and beat down. He's got resurrection life. That's available to us. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be filled with joy. He wants us to be carriers of His life. And when we come together, this should just be kind of a place where we get refueled and refilled. And then we go out from here and we give away what's been so freely given unto us. Freely we have received. Freely give. Life has been given to us. How many in here have experienced the life of God? You're born again. You know Jesus is your Lord. You've got the life of God in you. How many of you got some dreams, some visions? Pastor's been talking about it. We're going to have vision Sunday. If you don't have a vision for your life, get one and expect God To bring it to pass. What happened when he breathed life into them? I love how it said, breath came into them. They lived. And they stood up. It's time for the body of Christ to be that exceeding great army. Exceeding great army. Full of the precious promises of God. Standing up, not laying down, defeated, stood up. This great army stood up on their feet and they carried 
the message that God told them to proclaim. God's told us all to proclaim some things. You start by proclaiming them over your life. And then you need to proclaim them to others. We're ambassadors on a mission. You and I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Tonight we're going to speak some words filled with the life of God over situations. Before we do that, I want to read something to you. You know, we, we live in the state of California. And there's been a lot of death-filled words spoken over our state. People have said things like that we're going to fall into the ocean. That God can never move in San Francisco. California is so dark and blah, 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 blah. No, we're not going to buy into those lies. God put us in this state for a reason. To be a shining light. And God's going to do some awesome things in this state as well as in our nation. I recently heard Lynn Hammond. Many of you know who she is. She was down at a church in Southern California last part of February. And she was praying one night and she got some things about California. I might not have it exactly. I was listening to it today, but this is the essence of it. You want to hear it? She said, I see something about California. There's a reason that it's called golden. It's not of insignificance that it is called the golden state. For it is to be a golden gateway of creativity and of innovation coming from heaven. Where even angels and heavenly hosts stand in awe of the glory which will be produced from this state. We're golden because we're filled with the glory of God. Amen. The devil has tried to come in. He's tried to seep in with corruption, sin, and lust to drive out the heaven-sent glory of creativity and innovation. But in these days... America will look good by California. Woo! She shall display the glory of God like no other state. I'm saying yes and amen. Yes and amen. This is life-filled words. We're speaking life over our state. She shall become a marquee to the world of the display of heaven in every realm. In the creative realm, in the innovative realm, and in the spiritual realm. Woo! Glory to God. She shall be golden in her prosperity, in her success, in the shining for you, Lord. You will produce it, Father. Golden opportunities. It is also not insignificant that this state is known for a bridge. What bridge do you suppose that is? Woo! Golden Gate Bridge. Not only is this state a support as a bridge is for so many things, 
But a bridge carries people from one place to the next. California is a supernatural place where people will get in their place and where people will be carried across the world with the message of the gospel. How many will agree with that? Just like the message of Pentecost came from this state, from Azusa Street, and went around the world, so it shall be in this day again. Don't relinquish your stand. Don't give an inch away. This is our state. This is our domain. This is our territory. We say how it's going to be in our state. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Don't tolerate his lies to your mind. Rise up, for you shall surely come to your shining in the state of California. Woo! Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand.